you what it looks like when you go to a men's retreat with Mark Bechtold. Yeah, that, that lovely figure laying down is Mark. Yeah, that's, that's him. So uh, those are the guys. Uh, an amazing time. Tremendous challenge from a gentleman from uh, Elmbrook Church, Steve Solnerheim, and uh, just challenged us to, uh, to be men and what it means to be a man of God and all of that. So uh, that was really pretty amazing. Uh, the next picture I want to show you is uh, what I've what I'm believing God for from the church for Pastor Appreciation Day. <laughs> Next picture, please. Yeah, I don't want that. Here's what I'm... Uh, that's a Dodge Viper, so if anybody has one and you don't know what to do with it, uh, give me a call. All right. Joseph, we're going to get there in just a second. I want, to, uh, I want to welcome a, uh, someone that's here for the very first time. Her name is Elizabeth Del Carmen, and she's about this long. So, uh, Jerry and uh, Ed, if you would stand, the Del Carmens and their new baby, Elizabeth. Congratulations. Most excellent. I'm just curious, how many of you were involved in the giveaway in some way? You baked something, you were here. Stand up. If you were involved in it in any way whatsoever, stand up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to make probably reference to that later on. I've entitled my message, just leave my car up there, just so that it really gets embedded in the hearts and lives of everybody. Um, I've entitled this message, God Does Not Steer Parked Cars. Now, there's three things about a parked car that I want to share with you. And uh, parked cars are interesting. First of all, they have potential but no power. They're sitting there. They have purpose, but no direction. They're not going anywhere. They have purpose. The cars have a purpose, but no direction. And then finally, unless it's an unusual situation, cars have fuel, but no fire. They're parked. They're just sitting there. I want to show you and uh, help you see how Joseph was anything but a parked car. He was a man of power, a man of direction, and a man of fire. And I'm going to ask you to begin to think where you are in your Christian life. Are you a parked car? Are you, you come to church on a regular basis, and that's great, but you just kind of find your parking place. How many of you are in your parking place today? And God help the person that tries to park in your spot. The staff, we have a staff, we have, there's some parking spots out here on this side, south part of the building. Pastor Darrell gets number one, Pastor Merrill's in number two, I'm in number three, and then it's, the rest are on their own. But, um, but whoa, whoa, 
to the person that parks in my spot. <laughs> I've been, or Pastor, Dar- or Pastor Merrill's. I mean, I've, you know, I've wanted to call tow trucks. <laughs> then the Lord said, easy, easy. But we have our parking spots. And it seems like we, we feel like, well, God, you know, I'm a car, I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm in my parking spot, doesn't that count? Not really. Because someday, God, you're going to stand before God, I believe you're going to heaven, you're going to stand before God, and God's going to say, or he will not say, well done, thou good and parked servant. Well done, thou good parked car. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't help us with anything. And uh, I, I love this story. It's a story about an old elderly woman. You have to be careful, old lady. No, elderly woman, more mature, 86. And uh, she was a close friend of Howard Hendricks, and he writes this. He says, not long ago, I lost one of my best friends, a woman 86 years old, the most exciting lay teacher I've ever been exposed to. The last time I saw her on planet Earth was at one of those uh, boring Christian parties. We were sitting there on eggshells looking pious when she walked in and said, Well, Hendricks, I haven't seen you for a long time. What are the five best books you've read in the past year? She had a way of changing a group's dynamics. Her philosophy was, let's not bore each other with each other. Let's get into a discussion, and if we can't find anything to discuss, let's get into an argument. (laughs) She was 83 On her last trip to the Holy Land, she went there with a group of NFL football players. (laughs) I mean, that's probably the safest way to go. One of my most vivid memories of her is seeing her out front yelling back to them, Come on, men, get with it. She died in her sleep at her daughter's home in Dallas. Her daughter told me that just before she died, she had written out her goals for the next ten years. At age 86, I'm 60, and I haven't written out my goals for the next 10 minutes. (laughs) Get with it. Let's do this. Lessons from the life of Joseph. Turn to Genesis chapter 39. Joseph is an amazing story. It's like, it's the longest narrative in the Bible. It's multiple chapters. It starts in chapter 37 of Genesis, and it runs all the way through to chapter 50 with one little uh, bump in the road, Jacob and Tamar's story in chapter 38. But Joseph, the story begins in chapter 39. I'm sorry, chapter 37. And it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17... 17, 17 years old. I believe, if my memory serves me correct, by the time he gets to Pharaoh's court, he's about 30. Takes him about 13 years to get there. He has dreams, and he shares them with his brothers, actually his half-brothers. And they're not impressed at all. Here's this punk kid. How many of you have a seven, if a 17-year-old came up to you and said, I just had a dream about how you're going to be bowing down to me someday? What would your response be to that? Yeah, when cows fly and the cubs win the World Series, that'll happen. Never. 
Never. Never. But you see, the amazing thing about Joseph was, here's a 17-year-old, and it's true of all, every one of us sitting here, I don't care if you're 17 or 117, you have potential. You have great potential in your life. And Joseph had tremendous potential as a young man. And uh, I believe that God was moving in his life and, and beginning to get ready to take him certain places. And the journey was going to be a difficult one. How many of you realize that life has difficult parts to the journey? How many of you have discovered that? The only one in this building right now that hasn't discovered that is Elizabeth. And even that journey was a little tough. But you see, this idea of potential is just, you know, the Lord just kind of hit me with this this morning. Because, see, potential, um, it says that I should, I could, I would. But, see, none of that is, means anything until you take power and infuse that potential with that power. And Joseph, I think, got a handle on this because he, I think he was excited about those dreams. I wasn't sure what they exactly meant. But as he began to share them, he began to talk about them. I want you to, just for a second, I want you to take out your car keys. How many of you have, oh, I still have the van keys. Well, let's put those away. Um, take out your car key. Go ahead. Take it out. Take out your car key. Take out your car key. Where's my car? Get that up there. <laughs> Stephen, put my car back up there. You see, I want you to, I want you to name your key, because I want you to remember this every time you get in your car, every time you grab a hold of your key. I want you to rename your key Will. Will. Because you see, the enemy would come to you you're going to sit there and think, man, you know, all this stuff's going on, the chili cook-off, and the, you know, all this stuff. You know, I should get involved in that. And the devil's going to say, no, you shouldn't. You're a horrible cook. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All the pots are anonymous, so nobody's going to track you down. <laughs> no, no I sh you know, you should do this. Uh, you know, I would do this if I had the time. Oh, whatever. That excuse is so bad. You know, I could do this if I didn't have all this other stuff going on. You know, you, the correct response is, I will. I will. I will. I will get up in the morning and go to church. I will come on Wednesday nights to the men's Bible study and the women's Bible study. I will get involved in that kids' giveaway next year. I will bring something for the chili cook-off. I will get baptized, because I know I need to do that. Yeah, well, I should get baptized. I would get baptized. I could get baptized. No, I will. You know, I should be a member of the church. I could be a member. I would be a member of the church. I will. I will. Because you see, this, this little word, I will, is what's going to keep thousands and thousands of people out of heaven. Because the enemy is going to lie to them, and they're going to hear the gospel message. They're going to hear, be confronted with the truth of Jesus Christ, and then they're going to go, you know, I really should do something about that. I would do something. 
I could do something, but I'm not. I'm not. Joseph. I have a feeling that he had, in his life, the woulds, the coulds, and the shoulds were gone. He functioned in the I will. He shows up to his brothers, the potential of becoming a great leader someday. What do they do with him? The plan was to kill him. That really messes up leadership plans when people do that. But thank the Lord. See, God wasn't going to let Joseph be killed because he had things for him to do. And so the brothers take him and throw him in a pit out in the desert somewhere, a cistern. And uh, now they're sitting there, what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do about this? They decide that they will sell him to a group of Ishmaelites that are coming by, headed to Egypt. Safe plan. Now you might think, well, this is, this is unfair, it's ridiculous, it's mean, it's nasty. The crazy thing about it is, it was part of God's plan. Have you ever been in a situation that didn't seem fair, it didn't make sense, it just something was wrong, and yet you look back now and realize that was God working me, moving me to another location, moving me to a different situation, moving me to a different opportunity. And that's exactly what's happening in the life of Joseph. He's going to be moved to a different opportunity. Let's look at Genesis 39, verse 2. He's taken by the Ishmaelites to Egypt, where he is sold into slavery. Now, if I was writing this scenario, I'd say, now, God, if you want me to be a great leader in Egypt, why don't I just go there? Can I just, like, rent a camel and go there? No. Now, Joseph had to learn a few lessons on the way as he's going through this. He had to understand the difference between potential and power. Because when you give power to someone that's not ready for it, what happens? You see, if I ever get this car, my grandchildren will not drive it. I'm not even sure my wife will drive it. Oh, wait, she's here. I'm sorry, honey, you sure, you can, anything you want. But you see, potential is, is amazingly great, but power is even better. Don't just sit on your potential. Let God begin to move you to, a, to a, another area that is unknown to you. Joseph had not been a slave before. He'd never been in Potiphar's house. He had no idea what was going on. Yet here he is. Look what it says. Verse, uh, 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Do you understand the potential you have in your workplace? Think about it. God can bless your workplace 
God can bless your employer. And you say, my employer is a real piece of work. Well, I don't think Potiphar was, you know, on the pastor's council anywhere. <laughs> he was an Egyptian. They believed in a whole a variety of weird things. But yet, because of Joseph, because of the potential and the power in Joseph's life, God even blessed an unbeliever. That is totally awesome to me. You can win your workplace to Christ and without even bringing them to church. You can establish a sense of truth and righteousness in your workplace and let God show off. Let God bless that place because he wants to bless you as well. Potential and power. I was, as I thought about this, I began to realize something. That How many of you have heard the phrase, knowledge is power? Ever heard that? I don't believe that anymore. I've just crossed that. That's been deleted from my computer. You know what's power? Relationship. It's not what you know. It's who you know. I've heard that too, and I really believe that now. Because you see, it wasn't because Joseph was such a smart kid. It was because he had this relationship with God. And wherever he went, he realized that God's relationship was there with him. It's relationship. It's who are you related to. Do you, understand, do you know what God's going to say to those who come and stand before him someday and want to enter into heaven and God will say to them, I'm sorry, I don't know you. He's not going to say, I'm sorry, you're just not quite smart enough. Hallelujah. He's going to say, I don't know you. We never entered into a relationship. I have no idea who you are. Power is relationship. Power came because of Joseph's relationship that he established with God. That's, that's how you release your power is you get into relationship with God. The second thing that's going on here is, this is such an amazing story. It's intrigue, it's, it's attempted murder, it's lies, it's, you know, attempted adultery. And it's, this is a soap opera waiting to be published, is all it is. But Joseph, the lessons out of Joseph's life are amazing. The second thing I want to talk about is purpose, but no direction. Joseph had a tremendous amount of direction. He had to be moved somehow. How was he going to get out of Potiphar's house to the courts of Pharaoh? Again, that couldn't have been a long walk, so I'm guessing he probably thought, you know, God, I can just kind of go right straight over there. I'll just walk in and say, Pharaoh, I am Joseph, a Jewish boy. I've come to take over your kingdom. <laughs> and Pharaoh would have said, sweet, I've been waiting for you. Thanks, come on in. No, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. As you're praying to God and saying, God, I, need, I, want, you know, I, know, I know I have a purpose in life. How many of you believe that God has a purpose for your life? 
He absolutely has a purpose for your life. Now the question is, how's he going to get you there? How do I get there? Let me share with you quickly, I think I've sh- I may have shared this before, but I, when, I was, when I was growing up as a little kid, two, three, four, six, eight, on up, if someone said, so what are you going to be when you grow up, Fred? I'm going to be a doctor. Really? Yep, I'm going to be a doctor. Junior high, doctor. High school, doctor. I get to college, first two years at University of Michigan, who just beat Michigan State, I might add. But anyway, um, God is so good. No, I'm sorry. Um, my my, the, my soft, sophomore year of college, someone said, what are you going to do? Well, I'm in pre-med. Oh, well, that's cool. You and 30,000 of your closest friends. Everybody was pre-med there. But then God said, all right, we've messed around long enough. You're going into the ministry. No, God, I'll be good. <laughs> do you know, do you realize, again, as I look back, I realize God had been preparing me for the ministry since I was 12 years old. I sang in the adult choir when I was 12. I was the treasurer of the youth group when I was 12. Now there's an amazing truth. I, my, my life was church when I wasn't at school. God was preparing me for this, and I didn't even realize it. Until that day, I, I can still see myself walking down the sidewalk into the counseling, uh, in the academic counseling office to change my major from pre-med to religious studies. Now, University of Michigan is not a Bible college. I can assure you of that. Okay, that's definite. But I, list, I learned, I, I sat and listened to these professors explain to me the world's, the religions of the world. Not one of them offered any hope. Not one of them was the complete truth. I discovered that only Jesus is the total truth. I had had purpose in my life, but no direction. The day I made that change, it's like a weight came off and the direction was so crystal clear. I knew where I was going. On to seminary. I can even remember I dated some girls in college and so I finally said, God, you know what? I'm done with this. You show me who I need to marry. I'll just date her. And he did. He absolutely did. Again, I'm thinking, God, why does she have to live in Chicago? I live in Michigan. I'm, I'm, near, I'm in Ann Arbor. I'm near Detroit. It's 200 and some miles away. I, we couldn't have got, found somebody a little closer? But that was for a reason. You know why? Because Linda was established in, at home and in a good job and so on and so forth because God knew that when I got out of, out of, out of college that I was going to go to seminary. Guess where the seminary was located? Deerfield, just a few miles north of Chicago. Boy, God, you are amazing. You are sharp. So I had to go through that, you know, two years of phone calls and, and cards and letters and once a month trips. And, and I, I, you know, God, you could have made this so much easier. Eh, wrong answer. 
No, God knew what had to happen in order to bring my life to where it needed to be. I had purpose, but I didn't have direction. God gave me that direction. And in the life of Joseph, look at 39, verse, uh, it's 20b, the second part of uh, verse b. It says, but while Joseph was, was there in the prison, how did he get there? Well, Potiphar's wife, again, Joseph was a good-looking kid. By this time, probably, you know, 18, 20, 21, something like that. Again, ruddy, good-looking um, young man. And, you know, she's uh, the wife of a rich Egyptian and nothing to do all day except uh, watch Joseph work around the house. And as a result, you know, one thing leads to another. And now it's, Joseph, come here, I want to talk to you. Talk to you. And Joseph said, no, I don't play that game. I'm not doing that. He said, how could I do this? In fact, he even states it, how could I do this great sin against God? Not going to happen. So again, because of her deceptiveness and, and so on, her lying spirit, um, she ends up accusing him. Potiphar believes her and sends Joseph to prison. Again, this is not fair, God. This is Something's wrong here, but I don't, we don't, I don't read that anywhere. Joseph's response is not that way at all. Look what happens. In verse 21, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The Lord was with him. God, I'm in jail here. What's going on? So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I want you to, after you forget about my car, I want you to remember this phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph. In the pit, on the camel train headed to Egypt, on the slave auction block when he was being sold off to Potiphar, in Potiphar's house when Potiphar's wife lied about him, in this prison house now, the Lord was with Joseph. Absol I mean, incredible story. But see, Joseph, he had purpose. God had given him purpose. And God was now taking care of the direction. You know, when you get in your car and you get Will out, and he goes into the key, and you turn it, and the fire starts, the power kicks in, and you begin to drive. If you will move and exercise your purpose, God will handle the direction. Amen? Let God give him opportunity to handle the direction and see where it takes you. After all my experience in seminary and all the exciting, you know, the great teachers that I had and so on and so forth, I got out of seminary, and I understood that my purpose now was to minister in a church somewhere. And so I sent resumes all over the place. Florida, Hawaii. I wanted God's leading here. The Caribbean islands? No, I didn't do that. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, just nothing. 
I mean, I wasn't even getting rejection letters. Nothing. Nothing. And so I said, well, you know, God, I guess maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed something. And so I went into uh, where Linda worked, their insurance office. I sat down with one of the insurance agents. I said, so what's involved in me becoming an insurance agent? I'll just be a well-educated Christian insurance guy. It's kind of an oxymoron a little bit, maybe, but no. But I, uh, that was on a Wednesday morning. Wednesday night, a pastor called me from Indiana and said, I want you to come down and check out what we're doing here. I have a Christian school. I need somebody with your credentials to eventually run that school and be my assistant pastor. I'm thinking, Princeton, where is that? 300 miles south. We're on the Kentucky border. Oh, God, you have a great sense of humor, Lord. He was taking... And I'm taking Linda, who's never been out of Chicago area, to southern Indiana. Yee-haw! <laughs> Probably the greatest seven years of, of our lives. Eric was born down there. Erica was born down there. We just had a great time. And then the Lord said, it's time to go back to Chicago. No, oh God, I'll be good. But no, that, again, God's direction took over. And he moved us back here. 1996. Uh, no, 92. 1992. My position at uh, the church in Chicago came to a halt. I was going to be now an unemployed pastor. What do they do? Well, they go to the paper and look for a job. That's what they do. But the Lord brought Pastor Marilyn and I together in a, in a much different relationship now, and we. Uh, I had been teaching in the college. I've been teaching in the college for 26 years now, since 85. And, uh, but again, God's direction kicked in again. And it was a tough time, but the Lord was directing us. And if it wasn't for all of that stuff happening, I wouldn't be here right now. There's no way. I'd probably be in prison. Some, no, I, I don't know what I'd, you know, who knows where I'd be. I'd be a multi-million dollar insurance guy with a beautiful car. <laughs> I'm kidding, Lord, I'm kidding. But the Lord was with Joseph. And I could say that, I could echo that a thousand times. The Lord was with Fred and Linda. And the Lord was with Fred and Linda. And the Lord was with. If you will just look at your life, and begin to understand that your potential can become power, that your purpose can become direction, and that God will take you where you need to go. But you've got to put the key in the car, you've got to turn the engine on, you've got to put it in drive, and then follow what God wants. He won't steer your car if it's parked. Why would you do that? It's a waste of time. The final thing, fuel but no fire. Fuel but no fire. Park cars have fuel but no fire. What's fire? Passion. Passion. Fire is that passion for God. The passion for truth. A passion for righteousness. A passion for to want to follow hard after God, whatever God has for us. 
And I see Joseph's, and the story is huge, and I encourage you to read it. But he makes it to, he makes it to Pharaoh's courts through the issues of dreams. Again, the, the butler's dream was that he would be returned. The baker's dream was that he would be hung. And uh, uh, I guess the moral of that story is don't be a baker. But anyway, um, <laughs> get away from that field. Um, but, but God is with Joseph and brings him in. And Pharaoh shares his dream about the cows and the, and the wheat. And, and, and Joseph is able to... And Joseph doesn't walk in and go, yeah, dreams, man, that's no problem. I got that covered. What do you got? No, he says, I can't tell you what it means, but God can. Joseph had the ability to always give credit to the Lord. That's the key. His passion for God was huge. But then at the, at the, end, of the, at the end of the story, I want you to go to chapter 50 now. Beginning in verse 15, and then, now, the, now the, it's an amazing story of how he reconnects with his family, and his brothers come for food, and, and so on and so forth, and the, the, uh, the, the issue, the intrigue of, of keeping Benjamin back, and, and making sure that they bring the father, and, and so on and so forth. But then he and his father reunite, and they're, they're blessed, and, and they're together for years and then, it, then we're getting, then uh, Jacob dies, and now Joseph's brothers come, and they're going, you know, Joseph's going to pay us back now. We're dead, guys. Our father was here to save our lives, but Joseph has probably been holding this grudge all these years. Do you realize how heavy a grudge can be? It'll kill you. It will weigh you down. It will destroy you. Joseph left that a long time ago. I believe Joseph was done with that way back in his past. It didn't even matter. Because if he really carried a grudge against his brothers, as soon as he saw them, all he had to do was say, yeah, those guys there, out. Just take them out of the desert and do whatever you want with them. He had that power. He could have easily done that. But he didn't because of this passion for righteousness, this passion for God. It was absolutely amazing. Notice what he says. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> these, these, these guys are even they're still liars. It's unbelievable. Um, this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Because, see, they had, they had made an assumption that Joseph was not a man of integrity, was not a man of passion for God. They misread him completely. And he wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place, or am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. And then sometime later, Joseph dies and the story ends. But Joseph is such a great example 
of power, of direction, and of fire. The passion in his life, the, the, direct, the hand of God moving him through life. I want, you to, I want to encourage you that God has moved in your life. How many of you are still alive today because God saved you? You could have easily been gone. You could have easily been in a cemetery somewhere. But God's hand was on your life, and it wasn't time yet. You still had work to do. There's still some things to do. You still got to get will out. I will. God, I will. I will fire up my car. And God, I will let you take me where I need to go. And, you know, where's Carrie Underwood when I need her? Jesus, take the wheel. No. <laughs> the question is, you know, now what? I have, how many of you have potential? Why, everybody. How many of you have purpose? You already raised your hand for that one. Yes. How many of you have fuel? It's right here. The Word of God. Trust me, this stuff will burn anything. This will burn through anything. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will help you burn through anything. But you have to fire up the vehicle. God won't steer a parked car. You've got to make it happen. So you say, well, Pastor Fred, like what? What can I do? You can do anything. What should I do? You should do everything. Well, what would I do? If I had the resources and the time, hello, if you're still breathing, you have resources and time. It's not difficult. I, you know, I wrote down a, a quick list. Men and women's Bible study, Wednesday night, Friday morning, choir ministry, ladies' tea. Um, to give away, that's kind of over, but there's still some things that can be done with that. There's continual need for help with that. Chili cook-off, the baptism, membership, ushering, greeting, sound system, missions. See, it, it, there's more to this than just being a faithful person that sits in the pew and puts, you know, drops money in a plate. There's more to it than that. You have more value than that. You have more potential than that. You have more purpose than that. You have more fuel than that. God wants you on fire. God wants you to become passionate about stuff, things that relate to his kingdom. You might say, well, Pastor Fred, does that mean I have to go to Bible college and become a pastor? No. No. Because if all of you were pastors, first of all, you'd have no money. Or little. And then all of you would want to preach. And services would run for days instead of hours. You know, well, it's my turn to preach. Why come I never get to preach? Because you're no good. How about me? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. When, I, when we say, when Pastor Merrill, myself, Pastor Daryl, somebody says, we need you in the ministry, that means going out there. That means Getting your businesses, your place of work, your neighborhoods, 
that because you are there, God is going to bless those people. He's going to bless them. Then they're going to go, what's going on here? Why is everything working out and all these other companies are struggling? Well, boss, it's because I'm here. <laughs> what? Yeah, God's blessing me, so he's blessing you. Would now be a good time to discuss Ray's. You see, we have, you have to get a hold of this picture because you've got to understand that God is for you. God is not watching and just hoping that you're going to mess up so he can just give you a whack. That's not God. God took Joseph from an, from an unbelievable situation, favored by his father. You know, I even thought about this. You know, if Joseph, if this, if this was a modern-day story, Joseph wouldn't have got a brand-new coat. He'd have got a car. And that would have really ticked his brothers off. But you see, he was blessed by his father. And other people are going to look at that, and they're going to be upset about that. And then things that, that seem unfair to you may happen. But how else is God going to move you from here to here? Joseph would have been totally cool staying with his dad till he died. That was the plan. That wasn't God's plan. The potential, the purpose, the fuel. Now you might say, well, Pastor Fred, you know, I'm not real talented. There's not a lot of stuff I can do. Let me give you a list of people that God has used. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, <coughs> uh, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, John the Baptist ate bugs, uh, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep when they prayed, uh, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced five times, Zacchaeus was too short, Paul was too religious, Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. Do not tell me, well, God can't use me. All right, now, which of these are you worse than? Thank you. You can do this. We can do this. We can bless people. We can become the source of blessing in other people's lives just by showing up. Just by walking into work, your, your business is being blessed because you are there. A light bearer for God. A source of truth. A person with potential and power. A person with purpose and direction. And a person with fuel and fire. Fire up your engines. 
And again, feel free to contact me if at any time you have access to my car. God does not steer parked cars, but he loves driving cars that are moving. He just loves it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for the power and the truth of your word. I am so grateful that you are excited to use us, to move in us and through us. Father, help us to now have the courage to start the engine and put it in drive. And then give us the wisdom and the patience to allow you to take over and drive us where we need to go. God, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you, God, that you love us as much or more than you love Joseph. You were with him. You were with him in some of the most ridiculous circumstances of life. A slave, a prisoner, and then second to the king. Father, thank you for this amazing journey that you take us all on. Father, now I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that just really has never stepped out and said, I, wanna, I need a handle on this truth. I need to know the truth of Christ. I need to know and, and understand what it means to be passionate for righteousness. I want to know Jesus. Lord, I pray you give them the courage to come after we're done and just ask how to do that. And I know, Father, myself and others would be more than happy to tell them the story and get them started on this amazing journey. Thank you, Lord. Father, help us as we go out to our cars today, we get will out, that it'll remind us that we need to say, I will, I will, I will get involved. I will be a part of the stuff. I will, I will. And I'll do it in Jesus' name, and I'll do it to the glory of God. And everyone said, amen. 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 Praise God. Stand with me, if you would, please, for the blessing. And uh, Pastor Daryl and Leslie and the boys, safe journey home. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing, amazing week. Be blessed and be a blessing everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, get out of here.